your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 298 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and I am joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. Laura, we are equally parts or equal parts disappointed, mad, and okay with how Saturday night's uh, game one. It was the first regulation loss for the Montreal Canadiens this season. Laura, how are we handling things? Well, you said it yourself. It was the first regulation loss. It took them what eight games to get to to finally actually lose a game and and not get any points. And the other thing too is that the way that they lost, which we're not going to get too paranoid about it. I slightly, I feel like was talking you off the ledge on on Saturday because you said it's this it's the same as last year all over again. And I think I just want to warn against falling into that trap because, as you said, they didn't play a great first period. I didn't think of it. I didn't think very well. Uh, I didn't think it was a very good period. But as well, their goaltender stood on their heads and the Canadians stood on his head. And the Canadians just couldn't make it happen. They couldn't score. Brendan Gallagher alluded to it. You know, it's just, it's frustrating when you, when you face a goalie like that. Uh, and you can't make anything happen, but you've got to be happy with the overall game because I think overall the Canadians deserve to win that game. They just didn't. And I think that's going to happen from time to time. Like for me, I, I didn't really see the Canadians like being better than Calgary overall, but organically when I think back to the game, like I do think that the Canadians have the possibility, to, possibility to and deserved to win the game, but weren't able to get anything uh, past Jacob Mar- Markstrom. I-, I don't know if I'm just looking back in rose-colored glasses because it's been about a day. I-, I look at the game, and they came out, and Montreal was not very good to start the game. I-, I noticed them that they couldn't get the puck out with consistency. If they did, it got put right back in their zone. The Flames managed to kind of stifle Montreal early on. And then the Habs kind of bounced back as the first period was winding down. And then the Canadians just started taking over play at five on five. Uh, the biggest issue was the second line then got a rotating cast of wingers with uh, Josh Anderson leaving the game. He left. It was quiet. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of people realized, hey, Josh Anderson is not here. Uh, they said he was removed for flu-like symptoms. He tested negative for COVID going into the game that morning. And as of the time of this recording, the Canadians have no one in COVID protocol right now, uh, according to the NHL. We will keep you updated on that. But uh, Anderson is a big driving force on that line that he creates that space for Suzuki and Drouin to operate in. And without that, teams kind of honed in and, you know, focused heavily on Suzuki and Drouin and didn't give them any space to operate. But the top line looked like the top line. They created chances. They're doing the things that they do. They're getting pucks on it. The Canadians played extremely well after giving up the opening goal of the game. The only one they gave up uh, with Jake Allen in net, and we will touch on him in a moment, but sometimes you lose games that you should win and you win games you should have lost. Like Montreal struggled early on, and then that cost them this game as good as they were in the second half of it. 
if there was ever a loss where I'm not freaking out too badly, it's one like this. The only injury is Josh Anderson, who has the flu, which means he should be back hopefully in a couple of days, assuming his COVID te- uh, test comes back negative. And on a really bright note, Jake Allen was incredible for the Canadians in net. And it's the first time in a while we've had a backup goalie who can perform like that. And watching this game, I, I said it in the Slack chat, if that was Antini Emmy or Keith Kincaid or whomever, the Canadians are losing this game by three or four goals. And we probably see Carey Price in the third period or something. Laura, I know we're paying a lot for goalies, but you pay for quality, right? Well, that's exactly it. I think, I think that's the big difference. And somebody even said that and on, on Saturday night. Uh, I want to say it might have been Habs in high heels. It was somebody who said that this is the exact same scenario that played out before, but having a good backup has really made, you know, has really made the difference because yeah, they didn't win this game, but any other game, you know, like they lose confidence in their backup and then going forward, they don't play well in front of the backup. Carey Price overplays a number of games that he, 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 he wants to start. Uh, and, and, you know, the Canadians kind of have no choice but to put their good goalie out. In this case, you have two good goalies. I thought Jake Allen was really impressive. And I think I, I tentative, tentatively want to breathe a sigh of relief about Josh Anderson because initially when he was off the ice and then he came back and then he was done for the night, everybody freaked out because they thought it was another injury like the one he had last year. And as you just mentioned, he's been such a massive difference maker on this team like this year. He's been part of this turnaround, this part of this like good teamness. Uh, I'm inventing words now. That's how, <laughs> but as long as he ends up not having COVID, cause again, he had flu like symptoms. Uh, and in, in, in Montreal, uh, the public health has advised that if you have flu like symptoms, you likely have COVID go get tested because our precautions are really, you know, they're not, uh, they're not allowing the flu to spread as much as just it's the the COVID virus. So if he's just got like a stomach issue or just like a regular cold, which is what a lot of us have, have been experiencing lately, especially with the temperature changes, I think that's fine. I just, I, I'm too scared to be too relieved in case he actually like somehow got the virus at some point. So I'll be relieved once he's deemed safe to come back into the lineup. I, I kind of look at this game too. Any other team in the North Division and the Canadians play like that, they're probably coming away with two points. And now they have four games, two against the Canucks and two against the Senators, who have been, I don't want to say brutal, but not up to par in terms of goaltending, especially the Senators. If the Canadians put together a, hopefully a full 60 minutes instead of the, you know, 50 and a half they put together on Saturday, they're going to pile in goals because Matt Murray hasn't been very good. That we've known this year. Uh, Thatcher Demko and Braden Holtby have struggled against the Canadians this year. If this offense is running like it was on Saturday, sometimes you just run into a hot goalie. And Jacob Markstrom was that goalie. All credit to him. He was he was literally flawless in that game with no goals against. I think the Canadians shouldn't be changing too much of how they played in that game outside of the first 10 minutes. Once they got going... They were there. And obviously it's hard to overcome the loss of, you know, a big power forward winger on your team there. And hopefully he's back in the lineup soon, maybe a day or two off. We might see the debut of Michael Froelich in Calgary just to give him a day to recover. Cause if it is the cold and it's a stomach bug or whatever, it takes a lot of energy out of you. And Anderson plays that high energy game. So we'll see what's coming down the pipe there. But there was a lot happening during this game too. And 
the biggest thing that stuck out for me was the end of the second period. And we're going to talk about Dylan Dubé's hit on Brent, on, uh, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, the NHL's entire giant shoulder shrug regarding it on the ice and in the Department of Player Safety. And that's coming up next. Folks, it's finally here. We are in Super Bowl week. You've got Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You've got Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got the NBA in full swing. You've got the NHL in full swing. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Like I said, you have the Super Bowl this week. You can bet on score lines, on who's going to win the MVP, on individual player trophies, in the NHL scoring titles, individual games, anything you could ever want. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I'm going to just come out and say it. I don't know what the hell the NHL Department of Player Safety does anymore besides guess at what they're doing most days. For those who somehow didn't pay attention to the game on Saturday or might have missed it, uh, late in the second period, Jesperi Kotkaniemi is working below the goal line in the Canadian's end. He spins away from an oncoming Matthew Kachuk and into Dylan Dubé, who is skating full charge, leaves his skates, and delivers an elbow straight to the head of Kotkaniemi, knocking him to the ice and... The play oddly continued, despite a player being down on the ice and struggling to get to his feet. The referees just didn't stop the play, and then when they finally did, realizing something was up, Shea Weber ended up with a roughing penalty for trying to, what I assume is, turn Dylan Dubé into a smear on the Bell Center ice. And every Canadiens fan, and quite frankly, probably a lot of fans around the league, are pretty upset about this because today the NHL Department of Player Safety ruled there will be no suspension or discipline coming for Dylan Dubé. And to be quite honest with you, Laura, I've watched the video of Cassie Campbell-Pascal, someone who I admire with how much depth they put into their work, explaining George Peros's new rules for defining a headshot and suspensions this year. I, I don't understand it. They talked about it has to, the head has to be the principal point of contact, which Okay, makes sense. But then that it has to be 50% of the head, which I, if you're, if the head is the principal point of contact, how do you define 50% of the head? And, and the ruling, and this comes from Sportsnet Eric Engels, no suspension for the Flames Dylan Dubé for hit on Gasperi Kotkaniemi. NHL reviewed, but based on 40, rule 48.1, determined head contact was unavoid, unavoidable. So again, Peros's first point within this is that the head is the principal point of contact, and they are saying in their response that, yes, the head was the principal point of contact, but then did nothing about it. I I don't understand the Department of Player Safety. I don't understand how this works. If you hit a guy in the head, you hit a guy in the head, and that's against the rules, or am I just taking crazy pills here? I think that's a lot of, to be honest. Uh, you either hit the head or you don't. 
It doesn't matter where you hit some. If you hit somebody on the side of the head, if you hit somebody on the front of the head, if you hit somebody on the top of the head, if you hit somebody on the neck, all of those are dangerous hits. They might have different effects. I don't know. I'm not a neurologist, but I know that hitting somebody in the head at any point of the head is not good. Um, it's dangerous. And the league so far, like we've only seen it with our own team, right? It's been two players now. It's Dylan Dubay and Tyler Myers hit a Canadian in the head. Get away with it. And I'm sure that this is happening in other places around the league. But to be honest, the last couple of weeks I've been so busy that I've only been really focusing on our division. And I saw a bunch of Leafs fans also call on that on, on that decision. Like if a Leafs fan thinks that you're in the wrong about something that happened to the Habs, then you're really, really in the wrong. Like I... Like, I, I don't want to be too dramatic. I don't think that it's like, it's a whole point of like, like just, just trying to like, I'm, I don't want to be over the top, but I do think that it is absolutely the only way to explain this is horse. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like, I don't understand what the standard is for, for contact anymore to the head. It's like, if you hit someone in the head, the NHL and the AHL are like the only two leagues where it's not either immediately reviewed for severity. In the uh, NCA, I believe they reviewed if it's a two, five, or a match penalty, and they go based off of that. And I got to pose this question to our listeners. Would you rather have the game go a little bit longer, knowing that headshots are properly reviewed and penalized? Or would you rather have George Peros, you know, throwing darts at a board and finding out whether or not it should be penalized? They admitted that he hit him in the head, which goes against the rules that they set out to everybody else. I I don't get it. And then a bunch of people are mad that Ben Sherratt didn't just, you know, throw Dylan Dubé around. But when the officials didn't blow the whistle, they got back in the play. Sherratt grabbed him immediately. And it's missing the point is that this wasn't penalized on the ice. Like the ref was looking right at it. And every single angle I saw is Dubé leaving his skates. There's an elbow to the head. You see the head snap back. And I think the thing that bothers me the most is that if Jesperi Kotkaniemi didn't come back for the third period, it feels like there's a better chance that something might have happened because he might have been hurt, which just feels ridiculous. You need to punish the action of what's going on. You shouldn't have to rely on a player actually being injured to do something about it. Like... I, I don't understand it. I'm not saying that, you know, Dubé should have been suspended for 20 games or anything like that, but you got to suspend him for that. You can't hit people in the head. The NHL wonders why they've got CTE lawsuits longer than, you know, a line of traffic getting into JFK during rush hour. This is why you don't take head injuries seriously. At a certain point in time, you got to stop putting former tough guys and goons in charge of the thing in charge of protecting people. Like, put a skill player there, someone who got beat up across his career because the league doesn't protect these players. They put Brendan Shanahan in there, and then people got mad that he was too harsh. I'd rather people be punished properly than not at all. I It it makes me worried with, like, all these skill players. The NHL is getting faster and more about skill. What happens when someone just throws an elbow at that and it goes unpunished? Then you take, you know, it into your own hands. Somebody gets in a fight. Somebody could suffer more damage in that fight and everybody gets hurt and then there's more feelings hurt after that. It's this vicious cycle that the NHL can't help but get in their own way on and they need to stop it at some point. Real, actual change is needed. Like there's an actual lawsuit. That's the thing that blows my mind. 
There is an actual literal lawsuit. And you're hearing so much after the fact about the, 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 the effects of hits to the head for all athletes. And for me, I just, I think that that like 50% of the hit that like hit or like this clarification, this new rule or whatever, this new, uh, specification, whatever it is that this year that they, that they added in is like trying to get away with not suspending hits to the head when they were bad at it in the first place. Like, that's the thing. Like, they weren't good to begin with, and they're only making it worse. And for me, I just, I can't figure out what the reasoning behind this is. And and it's so upsetting to me. And it's not because it's a Canadians player. It's not because it's a young guy who's like, you know, um, he, he he's fairly young and like, and, and he's going to have trouble all his life. I, I don't think you should be hit in the head at any age. Like, I... I just, I find that it, it blows my mind. And the thing that happens is that, like, we even saw, like, they deleted a tweet. The Calgary Flames Twitter account tweeted Dubé and, like, the, the emoji for, like, strong arm, um, like, and, or a flexed arm or whatever you want to call it. And I, like, that was so inappropriate. But you know that there is a culture of celebrating things like this in this sport and among its fandom. You have to be consistent about denouncing it, preventing it, deterring it. I just can't understand why they're okay with this. Like, not just that they're okay with this, that they're actively trying to make more hits to the head allowable. Yeah, like, I get tweeting about big hits and everything. When they're clean, hell yeah, celebrate the crap out of that. I love a good, clean body check. Like, Alexi Emelin, when he used to flip people over with clean hip checks, was one of the best parts of some very bad Habs season. You shouldn't be celebrating a dude supermaning an elbow at a guy's head. Like, it's garbage. And, yeah, they deleted it mostly because I'm pretty sure their poor social media manager got cyberbullied relentlessly for two periods afterwards. It this The culture around the NHL needs to change. And there's believe me, there's a lot of it happening right now as we're recording this. But hits to the head need to be one of them. For a league that's about respect and all this other stuff – where is the respect in that play? He can take the body easily. Kotkaniemi is roughly the same height as Dubé, and the way Dubé is coming in, he can hit him square in the chest or shoulder up or something. He doesn't have to leap and drive with an elbow. There are other options he had there, and he still hit him in the head. And I'm not going to sit here and say Dylan Dubé is Matt Cook reincarnated or anything like that because that's not fair to him. He has no suspension record. I think it's a really bad hit from a player who has no history. So the NHL goes, well, no history. Uh, it could have been avoidable, I get, or it wasn't avoidable. It could have been avoidable if he hit him the right way. You can't judge a player just on their past. Sometimes good players do terrible things. Look at Connor McDavid. He's been suspended before. Crosby's done a lot of nonsensical things. Just because it wasn't an injury, the guy has no history, doesn't mean this play like this should be allowed to slide. Across the board, I'm frustrated. I wrote an article at Eyes on the Prize about this and the Tyler Myers one. We're less than a month into the season, and I've already reached my limit with the Department of Player Safety. Uh, sound off with your thoughts on what's going on. We'll read off some of your thoughts as we go through the week here. I know it's a big topic for a lot of Habs fans who are tired of watching our players get beat up. Well, meanwhile, other players can complain about a cross-check and then immediately get every call for the next six games. But as I said before, uh, the third period and second period against Calgary was loaded with a lot more than on-ice stuff, and that includes uh, Victor Mate and his agent Darren Ferris uh, kind of setting the entire Habs fan base into a fury, and 
maybe they shouldn't have because he might not be doing what they think he's doing. We're going to touch on the whole Victor Mete saga coming up next. But first, as I mentioned, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Laura and I cannot say enough good things about Built Bar. They are one of our favorite products we've gotten to try. There are 18 incredible flavors, and they are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There are nut-free options in case you have any allergies. They're lower calorie, lower in sugar, higher in protein fiber. They are great for everything you could possibly need. I take them on the road with me in the morning so I can have them on my way to work. You get flavors like raspberry, German chocolate, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake. There is a flavor for absolutely everybody. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Go to the website, put together your variety pack of flavors. Like I said, there's got to be something there for you. Every flavor I've tried has been absolutely phenomenal. Then when you go to checkout, put in promo code LOCKEDON and get your 20% off. Lauren, I love Built Bar, and we know you will too. Don't miss another big hockey story. Start your week off with Locked On NHL. Every Monday, Locked On Kings host Sarah Avampato interviews local experts covering the biggest stories in hockey. Get reactions to blockbuster trades, deep dives on the teams destined to be at the top of the standings, and analysis of hockey's hottest stars. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so Laura, it's been, what, eight? games this season and so far the Canadians have made one lineup change which was due to injury where Corey Perry has come in the lineup for Yola Armia uh the defense has stayed mostly the same Joel Edmondson has kind of ingrained himself next to Jeff Petrie Alexander Romanov and Brett Kulak have formed a great third pairing and obviously uh Ben Sherratt and Shea Weber have stayed Ben Sherratt and Shea Weber and according to player agent Darren Ferris uh, there's not an opportunity for Victor Mete to play in Montreal right now and that he thinks a fresh start would be best for his client. And everyone went, well, that's really unfortunate. It's only been eight games. You'll survive. It's still early in the season. There's another 46 games to go and you have NHL experience. Why would you just want to go anywhere else and lose two weeks depending on quarantine? So much so that Mark Bergevin immediately came out and said, nah, that's not true. We're also not trading him. Basically, get off my lawn, Darren. How dare you? And <laughs> Laura, I, I just got to say, every time something like this leaks, it feels like the move happens and not too far after that point. So here's my thing on this, is that initially uh, it was reported that uh, Victor Mete has formally requested a trade from the Canadians and he and the agent will work together, uh, sorry, and uh, Mark Bergevin and the agent, Darren Ferris, will work together to find a suitable position for uh, Victor Mete, assuming, you know, there was going to be a trade partner or whatever. So here's my thing on this, is that it seemed like that's something that the Canadians would never leak to begin with. So it definitely seemed like the agent planting stories. But the thing that I found so funny was that it was like Mark Bergevin didn't even address that it was like the agent that said it. He was just like, that's not true. He hasn't requested a trade and we're not trading him. And the thing is, the Canadians would be smart to keep him because he is like, like he is a good defenseman. It's unfortunate that his place in the lineup has been taken up by these two guys that we truly didn't expect. Like we didn't expect uh, Romanov to fit in so quickly 
and so well. We didn't expect Joel Edmondson to amount to anything. It's unfortunate for Victor Mete, but if the Canadians trade him, who do they have in the case of an injury? They don't. It would be a no-brainer to keep him unless you're getting a massive return for him, which you're not. And the other thing, too, is that, like, Victor Mete is the kind of player on the depth chart that doesn't command a massive return. But his value to the Canadians, it's something that you would you shouldn't give him up unless you're getting something good back. So it's like this situation where he's basically, he's untradeable and he kind of has to sit around and wait for either somebody to get injured or somebody to start playing badly to get back into the lineup. And I think Mark Bergevin made it very clear that he does not appreciate that, you know, the, the this, this uh, I guess, discontent was leaked to the media. Because as he said, Victor Mete has not requested a trade. It's entirely possible Victor Mete called his agent and it's like, I'm not getting to play. I'm miserable. And that's totally fair. Poor Victor Mete. Like, I have so much sympathy for him because he still hasn't been able to, in his years in the NHL, prove and establish that he's a full-time NHL defenseman because he has ha- he's had seasons where he played really well alongside Jay Weber. And he's had seasons where he struggled. And that's fine. And that's allowed. And I think he's got he's got a lot to offer to the Canadians as well. I just, I don't think that right now there's a situation for him in the system and the Canadians aren't going to upend something that's been totally working for seven games. I guess eight games too, if you kind of forget that, that first half of that eighth eighth game, they're not going to like destroy like this perfectly well-oiled machine by throwing out one wheel and putting in another, unless one of those wheels actually does come apart. Yeah, it's... I understand this frustration and it sucks. And at the same time, people need to stop saying one that Joel Edmondson stole his job because that's not true. Kulak and Romanov are the reason why Victor Mete is not in the lineup right now. Simple as that. I also look at that as this is a classic Darren Ferris move because earlier in the game, Darren Ferris represents, uh, Flames forward Sam Bennett. And he mentioned that Sam Bennett would like to change, would like a change of scenery and would like, want out of Calgary right now. And my first thought was Sam Bennett and Mark Bergevin have been mentioned so many times that it almost seems like Sam Bennett is going to be the new third line winger and Corey Perry will be bumped down the line while Yol Armia is out. And I don't know if I like that or not. And here's the issue with a Victor Mate trade is that if you do not trade him within the North Division, you're waiting two weeks for a player to be ready and in your lineup right now. And I assume that's what Bergevin would be trading for if he can get that value even. And I look at teams across the North Division. Vancouver's defense is terrible. Edmonton's defense is terrible. Winnipeg's defense is terrible. Toronto's defense is mediocre. And uh, Ottawa's defense is a garbage fire and Thomas Shabbat. There are five teams in this division that would love to have Victor Mate, and I'm sure Toronto probably would too, and even Calgary might like him, but do you really want to trade a player like Victor Mate within your division who has quality still to give? He's still a very good puck-moving defenseman. He plays with speed and pace, and I do think he'd be a great asset to this Canadian's offense right now, but how do you take out other players and put him into the lineup right now? All of this reeks of Darren Ferris doing Darren Ferris things, and it's right from his playbook, and it's going to drag out all year until eventually Bergevin gets sick of it. My thought now, though, is that maybe Bergevin and Mete were working together to try and find something that would make them happy, and Ferris just went ahead and leaked this. Uh, Ask Brendan Gallagher's agent what happens when you leak contract information. It doesn't bode well for you. If Victor Mete was going to be traded out of Montreal, I can almost assure he likely is going to be now. 
Mark Bergevan doesn't suffer fools when it comes to leaking trade information. If you, it, it, it's like he takes it. He's the Michael Jordan meme where he's like, I took that personally. He takes it personally because he prides himself on being a very professional person and doing stuff like this while not against the rules kind of seems, it, it feels like an underhanded tactic. And I'm shocked that Ferris would try and pull this on Bergevin after Mark Bergevin gave his client Josh Anderson, a seven-year contract this offseason across the board. There is a move coming here at some point, but we just don't know what it is yet. I have a feeling Victor Mete will not be on the roster by the trade deadline, and if he is, he's probably not coming back in the offseason. Simple as that, just because now behind him there's Jordan Harris, there's Jaden Struble, there's Matthias Norlinder. There is more defensive depth coming up even beyond what's here now. It's only going to get harder for Victor Mete to get back in this lineup, barring injuries and everything else. That's the thing. I think, I think, I think it's not a good idea for the Canadians to trade him this season simply because they're going for it. They're clearly going for it. They need that depth if they want to go far in the playoffs. They just, they can't afford to trade him. But I also uh, understand exactly what you're saying with Mark Bergevin not wanting to deal with the, with the headache of an agent, um, breathing down his neck all the time constantly talking about the player and trying to get a trade. So like you said, you, you, you said that you don't have a, you have a feeling that he won't be on the roster come trade deadline. I think he'll be gone in the off season because the Canadians also have a lot of cap considerations to make in the off season. So I think he'll be around until the playoffs and then they'll see what they get for him. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to watch this play out. Cause I know Mark Bergevin isn't going to want to watch his team's, uh, chemistry be disrupted. We saw Scott Mellenby will be staying in Montreal. We're going to touch on that to, with tomorrow's episode too. Mark Bergevin talked a lot about culture and all these other things that seemed like buzzwords at the time because the team wasn't very good when he was saying these things. So it kind of feels like uh, hollow words and uh, just nothing behind it. When it all comes together, you kind of see what he's getting at, even if it is cliche. I don't think Bergevin's going to want to throw, you know, that stick in the spokes of his bike right now when they're getting up to speed going in or trying to get into the playoffs this year, sooner or later, something's going to give here. And when it comes to Mark Bergevin, he usually kind of gets his way. I don't know what the return on Victor Mete is going to be. I don't know how other teams value him, but all the chatter around the waiver time makes it seem like he is very sought after by other teams on waivers. It's just a matter of who's going to kind of make that jump and go and get him, you know? Uh, we'll keep you posted, obviously, as things continue with this. Um, hopefully, it kind of gets itself sorted out and everyone can be happy in one way, shape, or form. Uh, as always, you can follow the show at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. And you can follow myself at Scott Matla, all on Twitter. You can find the show wherever you listen to your daily podcasts on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.